Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today, we talk brainstorms with UX designer Brian. Let's go. First question. You thought you'd see everyone's idea in the team brainstorm, but you've got a grand total of one. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board, right? Because in Miro, the team can add ideas now or later. And with Privacy Mode, we can keep them anonymous until they're good to share. Correct. Next, you need the best way to explain your idea, but all you have is a few sticky notes. Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board, because, you know, in Miro, I could record videos, add text, images, links, and digital sticky notes, of course, present my thoughts the way I want. Right again! Now, you're looking for a past idea you thought was just genius. Only you could find... Oh, there it is! Drawing board or... Miro! Our finished and unfinished work lives in one place. And he's won. Join over 60 million people getting ideas noticed in Miro Brainstorms. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome back to episode 53 of the Ancient World Podcast. So today we're going to talk about one of the more, or maybe most dramatic events uh, from the Greek mythology with the great flood and the Kallion. So we talked about this briefly when, with the ages of man, the ages of the world, so from the beginning with the Titans and then in the Golden Age and you get the Silver Age and then you get to the Bronze Age and this, uh, gradually the conditions are worse and worse so at the end of the Bronze Age the whole world is wiped out with a great flood. So we're going to talk about this part, which is very uh, cinematic, cinematic and, and uh, intense. And then afterwards, how the next era with the, the age of the heroes, how humanity or humankind is then uh, recreated again. So um, what happens at the end of the Bronze Age is that because of... Uh, Zeus is uh, so disappointed and disillusioned and uh, he's giving up because they have so many... Uh, it's become such a dark age for, for humans, filled with so many uh, horrible things. So he decides to... And there's especially one incident where someone is trying to please him with sacrificing a little boy and then he thinks this is the last drop and then he decides to, to wipe it out and start over. So, and we're going to read from Ovid, uh, book one, which is, uh, he describes everything very clearly here. So, Zeus is uh, now ready to punish, so he says. Now he was ready to hurl his lightning bolts at the whole world, but feared that the sacred heavens might burst into flames from the fires below and burn to the furthest pole. And he remembered that a time was fated to come when sea and land and the untouched courts of the skies would ignite and the troubled mass of the world be besieged by fire. So he's considering burning burning down the whole world, but then he reconsiders and he chooses to flood it instead. So straight away he shut up the north winds of Aelius caves with the gales that dispersed the gathering clouds 
and let loose the south wind. He who flies with dripping wing, wings, his terrible aspect shrouded in pitch black darkness. His beard is heavy with rain, water streams from his gray hair, mists wreathe his forehead, and his feathers and the folds of his robes distill the dew. When he crushes the hanging clouds in his outstretched hand, there is a crash, and the dense vapors pour down rain from heaven. So he starts with from the from, from the air, pouring down rain, and then he also wants to use the water on the earth. So he calls upon uh, the different uh, the gods and the spirits of, of water on, on on the earth. So he says, uh, Jupiter's uh, sort of Zeus, <laughs> angers is not satisfied with only his own aerial waters. His brother, the sea god, helps him with the ocean waves. He calls the rivers to council, and when they have entered the ruler's house, say, Now is not the time for long speeches. Exert all your strength. This is what is needed. Throw open your doors, drain the dams, and loose the rains of all your streams. Those are his commands. The rivers return and uncurb their fountain's mouths and raise an unbridled course to the sea. Then uh, Poseidon himself strikes the ground with his trident so that it trembles, and with that blow opens up channels for the waters. Overflowing, the rivers rush across the open plains, sweeping away at the same time not just orchards, flocks, houses and human beings, but sacred temples and their contents. Any building that has stood firm, surviving the great disaster undamaged, still has its roof drowned by the highest waves and its towers buried below the flood. Now the land and sea are not distinct. All is sea, the sea without a shore. So this is when the whole flood is coming. And as we mentioned before, uh, Prometheus tells his son Deucalion that the flood is coming. So Deucalion builds a chest and he takes his wife Pyrrha. And then they go in the chest when the flood is coming and they stay on the seas for nine days. And then they are the ones who will start recreating uh, humans again the next era of, of the mortals so um, what happens here then after uh, the flooding is done you get this more calm feeling here and then we see uh, it's like when you <laughs> see in the like recent decades when you have great floodings and, and afterwards when it sinks down so one man sails over his cornfields or over the roof of his drowned farmhouse, while another man fishes in the topmost branches of an elm. Um, the narrates are astonished to see woodlands, houses, and whole towns under the water. There are dolphins in the trees, disturbing the upper branches and steering the oak trees as they brush against them. Wolves swim among the sheep, and the waves carry tigers and tawny lions. Uh, a bit further down. Now the sea has, sh uh, so it's starting to, to recede. Now the sea has shorelines. The brimming rivers keep to the channels. The floods subside and hills appear. Earth rises, the soil increasing as the water ebbs. And finally the trees show their naked tops, the slime still clinging to their leaves. So then you reach this point where the Kalyan and Pyrrha, they have survived. But the earth is empty. So then the, the world was restored. But when the Kalyan saw its emptiness and the deep silence of the desolate lands, he spoke to Pyrrha through welling tears. Wife, cousin, 
sole surviving woman, joined to me by our shared race, our family origins, then by the marriage bed, and now joined to me in danger. We too are the people of all the countries seen by the setting and the rising sun. The sea took all the rest. Even now, our lives are not guaranteed with certainty. The storm clouds still terrify my mind. Uh, He keeps talking. Uh, Who would comfort your tears? And then they are in despair. So also on the side there. So Pyrrha is the daughter of uh, Epimetheus and Deucalion is the son of Prometheus. So they are cousins and also uh, man and husband. They're also married. So uh, they're left now in this desolate, empty world and they wonder what to do. So they decide to go to the oracle uh, and Themis, which is one of the titans and she's also she's, uh, one of the goddesses also of... of um, she she has this um, uh, enough... Uh, she qualifies to be an oracle because of her abilities to see into the future, among other things. So they go to Samus the Oracle and asks her what to do. So when they reached the steps of the sanctuary, they fell toward they fell forward together and lay prone on the ground, and kissing the cold rock with trembling lips. If the gods' wills soften, appeased by the prayers of the just, if in this way their anger can be deflected, Themis, tell us by what art the damage to our race can be repaired, and bring help most gentle one to this drowned world. And then the oracle replies, The goddess was moved and uttered oracular speech. Leave the temple and with wailed heads and loosened clothes throw behind you the bones of your great mother. And this is the way the, the oracle usually speaks in enigma, in riddles. So, for a long time they stand there, dumbfounded. Pyrrha is first to break the silence. She refuses to obey the goddess's commands. Her lips trembling, she asks for pardon, fearing to offend her mother's spirit by scattering her bones. So she interprets this at, that they should take from the from like the, the bones and skeleton of their mother and throw it uh, to the earth. But then they keep thinking. They reconsider the dark words the oracle gave and their uncertain meaning, turning them over and over in their minds. Then Prometheus' son, Deucalion, comforted Epimetheus' daughter, Pyrrha, with quiet words. Either this idea is wrong, or, since oracles are godly and never urge evil, our great mother must be the earth. I think the bones she spoke about are stones in the body of the earth. It is these we are told to throw behind us. And then they pick up the stones and they throw them behind them, and then... Like in an instant, the stones transform into people, and that is how the new, uh, new era and the age of the heroes are created. So it's described in detail: the stones. And who would believe it if it were not for ancient tradition? Began to lose their rigidity and hardness, and after a while softened, and once softened, acquired a new form. Then, after growing and ripening in nature, a certain likeness to a human shape could be vaguely seen like marble statues, at first inexact and roughly carved. The earthy part, however, wet with moisture, turned to flesh. What was solid and inflexible mutated to bone, the veins stayed veins, and quickly, 
through the power of the gods, stones the man threw took on the shapes of men, and women were remade from those thrown by the woman. So the toughness of our race, our ability to endure hard labor, and the proof we give of the source from which we are sprung. So that is the origin of the next era of the humans, the mortals. And then also, uh, nature is uh, recreated. Earth spontaneously created other diverse forms of animal life. So, that's all for, uh, for this episode. So now we have a, a huge event which uh, separates the first three eras in Greek mythology and introduces the Age of the Heroes where you get uh, the Iliad and uh, Achilles and you get the Odyssey and many of these great stories which is then also gradually becoming closer to the, to the current times for the ancient Greeks and um, and more and more towards realism. So, you could there are many things to say about f- the flood story, which is in so many different cultures. Uh, he, the Chaldean is also like a Noah figure, except that they don't put any animals in the in the chest. It's just the two people. And you could also there's an interesting movement in the whole body of of mythology <laughs> stories and work from. It begins as a fairy tale with chaos and Gaia emerges, and then gradually it becomes more and more realistic. So there's a there's a movement from your imagination towards realistic thought, which is 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 a beautiful way of ma- making the, the story and the sequence, and as a as a creation story towards kind of clarifying into into your current like present moment that you live in. Uh, and it also, in some sense, it mirrors, it teaches you a little bit how the brain works in different stages of the full fantasy imagination and then half fantasy and then toward realism. Uh, and in some sense, you might also say that it has some resemblance of, of growing up <laughs> from, from the childhood world where you walk, <laughs> where you live among titans <laughs> and, and you're mostly or in large part in your fantasy and then gradually as you as you grow older you become more realistic in, in the view of the world uh, and you also lose the, the kind of innocence also that you see more and more the, the full nature of, of human life and, uh, and the world around you okay so uh, that's the big story about the Kalian and um Hope you enjoyed some of this and I hope you have a great day. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.